0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, o Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one as well. If anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic, Hand over your cloak as well. Should anyone press you into service for one mile, go for two miles. Give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn your back on one who wants to borrow. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father. For he makes his sun rise on the bad and the good, and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brothers only, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? So be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise. You know, this weekend is the third weekend of the month in which we normally do benediction at the end of Mass. We're going to change up the usual routine a little bit. Uh, following the closing, prayer, following the prayer after communion, uh, I will give uh, the blessing so that anyone who wants to leave is welcome to do so. Uh, what will follow after that is uh, um, a brief presentation, hopefully brief, uh, an update on the building project uh, that we mentioned a few months back, Uh, We've got a direction that we're moving in, and so I wanted to present the details on that. Uh, And then after that, we'll do benediction for anybody who wants to stay afterwards and adore the Lord for a few moments. Also, we do have uh, the food next door for our, uh, our monthly coffee call for anybody who wants to hop over there. Certainly encouraged to do so. In the Holy Scriptures, the Lord God speaks to us. And the words of Jesus tell us that where a man's treasure is, there also his heart will be. We know that anyone who has ever fallen in love, maybe someone who's ever uh, born a child and been able to hold that child or maybe a grandchild in their arms for the first time, they know the great joy that they have in the other person. They don't have to consciously think about the other person, they just naturally do. One doesn't forget their child. One doesn't forget their beloved. And through the course of the day, they certainly come to mind in pleasant thoughts and a desire, a longing to be able to see them once again. We could say this a similar thing about things of lesser greatness, simply maybe a new hobby or a newfound joy, even simply a new toy. It brings us joy. And it brings a, a, a desire to be able to see it once again, to enjoy it once again, Take, take part in it once more when we're separated from it. And indeed those things are good and holy, our good activities, our treasures of this earth. But the most important thing about us Christians is that we are not people whose treasure is mainly on earth, but our treasure is in heaven. And our treasure is not just a thing, it's a person, and it's the Lord God himself. The Lord God who comes to us and desires to be with us, who loves us so much that he even took on our flesh. So we have a great gift in our God. Where men's treasure is, there also his heart will be. And as such, following the same analogy, there's this reality of the Lord, as we go through the course of our day, it should be such that we shouldn't have to stop to consciously think of God, if he truly is our treasure. Rather, he should simply come to mind naturally, organically, the course of our day and our longing to see him once more, to be with him, to be united with him in a moment of intimacy. That intimacy is what we call prayer. We could speak a thousand things on the topic of prayer. Indeed, we could fill this chapel up ten times over with the number of books that have been printed simply on the topic of what is prayer, of how to do prayer, of methods of prayer, spiritualities, and so forth. But ultimately, while we can complicate it in so many ways, prayer actually is very simple. And the ones who describe it most simply and most beautifully and most directly are the saints of God and the church. And the saints of God have described prayer as a simple conversation with the Lord. They've described it also as union with our God. St. John Vianney, one of my favorite quotes that he references our time of prayer is an overflow of paradise and a foretaste of heaven, a brief moment wherein we can be united to our God. Ultimately, it's a meeting place of the bride and the bridegroom, where the bride, the church, and each individual member comes to the bridegroom of God to be united and look forward to the heavenly marriage feast that awaits us. Ultimately, all of these simply speak to an intimacy of being willing to open our hearts to the Lord in His generosity and opening His to us. The fact that we can pray should bring us to our knees immediately because the God of creation, the God who made all things, who who gave every blessing that we have, it will be enough just to know that He exists. It will be enough to know things about Him. But He goes even farther in letting Himself be known in a personal relationship. Heart speaking to heart in a sense. We don't deserve it by any means. But our Lord gives it. And what a blessing. St. Augustine described the relationship with God, this time of prayer, as a stretching of our hearts. He said in one, of our hom- in, in one of his homilies, our hearts are too small. They must be stretched. He imagined if God came to us one day and we were carrying a sack. And the Lord God said, I have something I need to give to you. Immediately we would do everything in our power to make sure we can receive what it is that God desires to give. We would take our sack and empty it of the earthly wares that we have, whatever the earthly things that we possess. And we would take our sack and we would stretch it as much as possible so that it can receive as much as possible. In hopes of receiving what it is that God desires to give. And what God desires to give is himself. The infinite God. And so our hearts must be infinitely stretched. We must be a people of prayer. Continually having recourse to our God. Certainly in the course of our day, calling to mind our Lord. Lifting up, uh, as they call the, the arrows of holiness. The short little pious prayers that we pray that pierce the heavens. And pierce the heart of God with love. An arrow of love. But also we must be a people who spend time in prayer daily to make that an absolute necessity no one among us can go without food or drink or air and even less so can we go without God in prayer so we must pray to be able to have the life of God within us and while we can complicate it again in so many ways it ultimately comes down to three essential points three essential aspects of prayer The first essential aspect of prayer is faith. We must trust in our God. It can be a temptation sometimes to treat God as if he's a a magician or a genie, where we go up and we say the right prayer, we do the right thing, and ta-da, we get what we want. Thankfully, God is not like that. Because every single one of us will be spoiled brats. And beyond that, sometimes your prayer and my prayer might conflict. I would love the church never to get above 55 degrees. Some of y'all would hate that. Whose prayer wins? Good question. Theological debate ensues, huh? But there's this this reality that our God is a good Father. He doesn't just give us whatever we want. He gives us what is right and good and true and holy. He's a Father who cares for us. The Lord Jesus says to us, Who among you, what father among you, when his son asked for a fish, would hand him a snake instead? No one. And if your earthly father is that good, how much more your heavenly father? And so we approach our Lord with trust. We approach God our father with a recognition that even though sometimes our prayers are not answered as we would like, maybe it seems that there's silence on the other end, we must trust and have faith. That our God hears us and he walks with us. And most importantly, that he loves us and will provide for us. The second aspect of the life of prayer is honesty. We must be honest with our Lord in prayer. Every single one of us has that place in our house that we know we can store junk. When you've got things just laying around the house and somebody calls and says, Hey, can I come over real quick? Yeah, give me five minutes. And we take those five minutes and we run around the house like a crazy person We grab everything that's a mess and we throw it into that closet or that room and we shut the door. Man, my house looks great, doesn't it? Just don't go in that room right there. That room is a tornado. And we do it with God sometimes too in our prayer. We go to prayer, and as we're as we're going to the chapel, or we're going to the church, or we're going to mass, or wherever it is we're going to encounter our Lord in prayer in our time, we're like, all right, good. I gotta, gotta stuff all that bad stuff, all the all all the frustrations in my heart. Maybe there's anger. Maybe there's maybe there's there's sufferings. There's sadness. There's depression. There's all kinds of things in my heart. But I'm gonna put those in that room in that closet real quick, and I'm gonna go to my prayer, and I'm gonna go, Lord, look how great my house is. <laughs> Everything's nice and orderly. We go and we. We kneel in prayer and we place our hands in very pious the little angel pose and Lord thank you for all the wonderful blessings. Life is so amazing. Thank you. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. While inside in the depths of our heart in that trashy room, we are screaming for God. Screaming. We must be honest in prayer. Because if we go before God and we give him what he thinks he wants, what we think he wants, we're not praying. <laughs> We're lying. The Lord God put the things in our hearts there for a purpose. If there's sadness in our heart, it's for a reason. It's because our heart longs for something or it needs something, and God desires to give it to us. He desires to respond. If there's sufferings in our heart, if there's anger, if there's frustration, if there's confusion, if there's joy, if there's exhilaration, all of these things, every everything of the human heart, God put it there. And he wants us to talk to him about it. So whatever the emotion of your heart, if you're angry, be angry with God. There are some things that I've gone to the chapel at the church and I've looked around to make sure that nobody was around and I spoke to God. I'm pretty sure if anybody was there, they would have blushed because that's where my heart was that day. We need honesty in our prayer with our Lord because we're honest with God, it gives them the opportunity to come in and actually deal with the mess of our life rather than trying to make it appear very nice. The third piece is persistence. And this is the hardest part. Because it's easy for us to go into trust initially. It's easy for us to go and to be honest with our Lord. But sometimes whenever things don't go as we desire, or things as we expect, as, as we think it should be, as prayer is supposed to be, it's easy for us to give up we go and in the middle of our prayer is if god doesn't respond like we want or if it's quiet on the other end we just stop and so often the reality is we stop right on the threshold of when god's about to move we're just about there where god wants to do something and can do something and then we shut the door We must persist in prayer day in and day out, every single day, without fail. It should become so much a part of our routine that if we don't have time for prayer, we should be hungry for it. None of us goes the course of a whole day without eating without realizing at some point, man, I'm hungry. At some point, your stomach gurgles a little bit, letting you know it needs something. And it should be the same with our souls. To know that through the course of our day, if we don't spend time with our Lord, there's something in us that should ache a bit to remind us to go to Him. And so we have faith. We have honesty. And we have perseverance. In the midst of all of these things, we can do so many things in prayer. Again, tens of thousands of books that we can have recourse to. But the most important thing in the end, if we're struggling with prayer, if we don't know what to do, if we don't know what to say, tell that to the Lord. When the disciples are struggling with their own prayer, they're looking around, they're saying that the disciples of John the Baptist, they, they go, Lord, John's teaching his disciples to pray. Teach us. What do we do? What do we say? How do we, how do we respond? And he gave them a simple prayer Be Our Father. Not that we simply pray the Our Father and be done with it, and that's all we need to do. It gives us a model, a mode, a method of trust, and employing each of these things to be able to come before our Lord. And ultimately, if all else fails, if we have no idea where we're going or what we're doing, there's one simple prayer that you need to pray, and then to rest with the Lord. And that prayer is simply, Lord, teach me how to pray.